Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television, brought to you by our great friends at Ditch Witch. Bass Edge Television is on Wild TV in Canada and the Versus Network all the way through June 2008. This is Outdoors Dan Young, and I'm here with my good friend Aaron Martin, who is the host of Bass Edge. Aaron, how you doing? I'm doing great, Dan. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. It's almost April, and i got to tell you... I'm back in Iowa, and it's freezing. I just I just got back from Florida, 80, 85 degrees. I'm actually sweating down there. I get back, and it's 30 degrees. Get to go to the frozen tundra. Yeah, that's about <laughs> what it, it's about what it feels like. It's just crazy. So, hey, we got a good podcast, though. We do. We do. One of my uh, probably most sought-after topics here from our listeners, and that is fishing from small watercraft or shoreline that we've employed Mike Webb to come talk about. Really? Yeah. Now, see, I would have thought it would be more like it. Do you want Snoopy or SpongeBob on your riding room? Uh, that's normally left up to your arsenal. Yeah. Well, okay, far. I've seen you in front of these fishing people, and you know, I, it's amazing how you handle that. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's uh, it is. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I think Mike. There's no better person or angler to cover this topic uh, than Mike Webb himself. Well, fishing from small craft and walking the banks is going to be a good one. Then we got Dr. Jay on in the Inside Edge segment, so that's going to be well. So you ready to get to it? I am. Let's do it. All right. It's all right here for you folks on the app. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Experience the revolution. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that stuff going, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Outdoors, Dan Aaron Martin here. And I got to tell you, folks, there is water everywhere. If you're in the Midwest, I don't think you have to go far to find a place to wet a line. Uh, it's really tragic in a way, a lot of ways. A lot of disaster areas, Aaron. It is, you know, from uh, water, water everywhere. And we were actually on our way uh, to film the first episode for the 09 season and was about an hour and a half into the trip, and we got turned around uh, because a lot of the roads and that that we were going to be traveling through as well as the area we were going uh, was underwater. And I know talking with... Uh, a lot of my friends and family from, from where I grew up, they said the smaller streams and some of the rivers and that are actually going to crest higher than what they did in the flood of 93. Yeah, it's amazing. I was looking at video. I was uh, on my way down to Florida for my turkey hunt, and we stopped in Nashville overnight. And um, Thank God that we did, because that night they, uh, they had a tornado go through Atlanta right down downtown. They had baseball-sized hail. Yeah. And they just had devastating damage. That was the storm, I think, that hit the dome during the uh, NCAA tournament. It, right? it was exactly right. And you know, thank God we just didn't make it that far. We stopped in Nashville, but um, the flood of '93, I, I was affected by that, and I know that uh, you were still back in Sullivan in, in that area during that time. And I've I seen personally what it did, people, and they're saying this is actually almost as uh, worse in some areas. So you know. Uh, God bless everyone out there. Just be safe and be smart. Don't be driving through high water. Absolutely. And I know that uh, Table Rock actually came up about 18 feet. Um, wow. Which is, you know, that doesn't happen that often. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about in earlier podcasts about the violent weather patterns that, that take place in, during these spring conditions, you know, and, and the effect, I think, that on fishing, the interesting thing is when you get high water, you know, during the spawn, those fish still have to spawn. So I, I do think that, you know, everything will balance out. It'll stabilize. 
but uh, certainly we want to keep people in our, our thoughts and prayers uh, who are dealing with high water conditions and maybe have been put out of, of their home or uh, lost property as a result of that. Absolutely. Hey, you're going to Texas Motor Speedway, huh? Yeah, yeah, the the crew and, and boat, uh, Steve and Matt, and uh, the boat and truck is going to be there in the O'Reilly booth. And uh, I want to remind people that we have those 2008 Bass Edge Tour uh, T-shirts that we're going to be giving away at we picked 12 events, and I know the Texas Motor Speedway is going to be one of those. The PAA, which is a little bit later in the month, uh, this month, we're going to be giving some away there. So if you happen to be, uh, obviously, close to that or going to be attending that race, make sure that you come by the booth, uh, pick one of those up. We'll have some other great prizes to be able to give away. Um, but, you know, no better thing to do than be able to talk about fishing uh, with race fans. Well, there you go. Hey, and folks, honestly, you'll get one before I will. So <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> There you go. That's exciting. Hey, let me tell you this, Dan. The uh-huh. good news, you will be happy to know, I just got the phone call this morning that the authentic Bass Edge jerseys are in, in mass quantities. So you will be getting uh, the orange jersey that you have so long waited for because those will be hitting the website uh, shortly. Uh, we've had a lot of requests for those. I know you've been bugging me every week about that. So, well, it's uh, only been three years. Exactly. But thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, I'm, I'm excited. I'll wear that deer hunt. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Hey, uh, also, the newsletter is out again, so make sure, folks, if you have not signed up for that, you need to do so, and a lot of good information coming out. We're getting in, really, to the swing of fishing season, so you don't want to miss out any on any good tips or anything like that. And also, Bassett is coming out with a deep fishing electronics DVD, and, you know, that's going to hit in May. You should be happy with that, Aaron. Yeah. Did you, or were you affiliated with that? I was, uh, a little bit. Um, it, it is a great DVD, a learning tool. You know, there's so many questions about once you have the electronics, A, how do you program those other than just to show the basic bottom contours, water temperature, that type of thing. Well, what Mm -hmm. we did, uh, we paired up with Mike Webb, who actually teaches electronics. Uh, He's a certified uh, instructor, went to the school uh, on multiple types of units. Uh, He is sharing his knowledge on not only how to program those, but also he makes his living guiding uh, and fishing exclusively. Well, pretty much, I shouldn't say exclusively, but spends the majority of his time uh, fishing offshore structure for suspended fish, using that drop shot, that spoon, to where you can actually see that bait, that sinker, uh, everything right there on the graph. It's like playing a high-end video game, and it takes people from one end of the spectrum to the other, and I can promise you that uh, that is going to be a huge hit. All right. Now, I know that's a lot of information, folks. Let's just overview that real quick. Uh, the crew and the boat, truck, and everything will be at Texas Motor Speedway April 4th through the 6th. The newsletter is out now. It's free. All you need to do is just go to BassEdge.com to sign up for that. The new Deep Fishing Electronics DVD with Mike Webb and all the other guys from Bass Edge is going to be out in May. The black, orange, and uh, Bass Edge t-shirts and hats are going to be available very soon, so just go to the website. And also, you're going to give them a, a decal with that? Yeah, uh, with the the new uh, edition of the hats and that coming out uh, for every order uh, of those, they get the Bass Edge decal. So. Oh, that's pretty cool. It is, it is. Yeah. All right, we need to go to our first interview, and again, that's going to be with Mike Webb. And, you know, Mike's wife is just a doll. Charlotte can't beat Charlotte Webb. <laughs> but uh, we're going to be right back if you enjoy that with Mike. And it's all right here on The Edge. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. 
Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. Welcome back to The Edge, and joining us this week is the Bass Edge very own pro staffer, Mr. Mike Webb. Mike, uh, thanks so much for being part of The Edge. Glad to be back, Aaron. Well, we have a lot to cover, Mike, and uh, you know, before we get right to it, there's been uh, you've had some water challenges at your house <laughs> recently, haven't you? <laughs> We had a lot of rain, as most people in the country did, uh, and yeah, we had uh, had a little bit of had our own lake in the basement. Yeah, well, I tell you what, it was pretty widespread. I know from pretty much from north to south, all across the Midwest. Um, well, matter of fact, I mean, we were actually on our way to Texas when that hit, and we actually got turned around because a lot of the roads and stuff that we were going to be taking uh, were, were underwater. That's going to play some havoc and kind of change things up a little bit for this this spring bite, won't it? Yeah, well, but you know, the good thing about it is it's going to bring in a lot of debris, and it's and when it recedes, it's going to, you know, we're going to have a lot more, I think, laydowns and things like that that we didn't have before for the fish, and I don't know what this is going to do. These fish that are alive today have never seen what we see right now, because uh, this is a, a massive amount of water, but I think it'll all work out real good, because we're getting ready to go into the spawn, and uh, so they have plenty of water and stuff. So yeah, and it's, it's amazing, you know, how things have a way of working themselves out. And, you know, you get all that runoff and that nutrients. And, and uh, of course, a lot of the rivers get, get washed out and get uh, new channels and, and new things like that formed. Uh, so it, it pre- always presents new challenges for the angler, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, Mike, you had called me, uh, oh, I guess it was probably last week. And, you know, I, I think it's a story that, when you told me that, I remember because I was actually down at the race at, at Bristol, Tennessee, and you shared with me something that happened to you during a tournament, and I think it's something that every angler needs to know, and that was concerning uh, you fishing during a tournament and going down to, to net a fish. Could you tell us and, and kind of share that with our listeners so that uh, hopefully everyone can learn from that? Well, it was a learning experience. It, it almost cost me my life had I not been prepared uh, because somebody told me about it. And uh, the water was 45 degrees, and I just uh, slipped on the side of the boat and went in head first, all completely underwater. And uh, it was very cold outside, so I was completely bundled up in coveralls and boots and the whole thing. So, and the wind was blowing so hard that when I went in, the boat went away from me because of me pushing it, and then the wind continued to push it away. And had there not been somebody in the boat to bring it back to me immediately, um, I would have drowned because uh, we weighed the, the clothes later that I had on, and they weighed over 50 pounds with water in them, and I, I just couldn't move. That's like three cinder blocks tied to you. But once but once I got back in the boat, um, the, my friend was there, and he pulled me in the boat, and once I got back in the boat, um, I would have had to have been helicoptered out because of uh, hypothermia, but I had extra clothes, and I mean warm clothes in the boat for something like this and so I was able to take all the clothes off and put back on all warm clothes and continued to fish but it was a very scary moment and so you know it, if you're fishing by yourself and the water's cold wear a life jacket sure for one and two always have a backup set of warm clothes with you well um, we're certainly glad you're all right Mike and and thanks for sharing that because I know that that sent chills just up my back when whenever you called and, and told me about that. But you know, I think that's that's something good to remember is is to keep a uh, a warm set of clothes with you, and you never ever know. You know, if when you look at the hours that you've spent on the water, uh, you never think something like that's going to happen to you. But you know, it just goes to show it can happen to the best of us. Well, and, and the boat I have has got a ladder on the back, which was very beneficial. But if you don't have a ladder on the back, 
a lot of the the old timers have have just draped a rope around the back seat and just let it hang off. So when they're fishing by themselves in cold weather, um, something to grab a hold of. Sure. You know, just little tricks like that. You, you know, take it serious because I, I I know how close I came to drowning. Absolutely, and it can happen at any given moment. Well, Mike, I, I tell you what, I've been so excited about this upcoming interview, and that's why we are wasting no time today. But it is concerning, you know, really fishing either from the shoreline, small watercraft, maybe maybe it's a float tube, maybe it's a canoe floating streams like you and I grew up doing, uh, sharing a lot of fond memories there. But, you know, one of the questions that we often get is, where do you start? You know, if, if you're fishing, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a private lake. Maybe it's just going down to the local marina at a large reservoir or, you know, floating a small stream. How do you break that water down when you don't have the advantages of having a map, uh, some of the electronics and things like that that we use? You know, where, where, where's the starting point? Well, that's not probably. That is the number one question I get asked in seminars by people that do not have a boat. And, and I love fishing from the bank. Grew up doing it on the Gasconade River and loved it. And continue to love it. But the number one question, as you said, was to try to find where to start. And without a doubt, if you're on the bank, the first thing when you approach that body of water is to try to find a point, an outcropping into the water. That is the number one place to start. That's the feeding spot. That's the kitchen for the fish. They're going to go out and roam around and stuff. But when they get hungry, they're going to go to those points. And that's where I would start is key on the point. And they don't have to be the real long points. If you've got a pond... You are an advantage being on the bank because being out in a boat like you and I do, when we look at the bank, the small points, they just blend in. So Absolutely. being on the bank, you look down the bank and you can see all these little two or three foot outcroppings in the water. That's just a point to the fish that continues out in the water. Just fish those things right there is where I would start because they, that's, like I said, that's the kitchen for the fish. Well, and you bring up a good point, Mike. You know, I can... Uh, definitely relate to a lot of times when anglers think of points, they're, they're thinking of these very defined, you know, uh, protrusions that come way out off the bank that you could see from, you know, from a helicopter should you need to. But a lot of times the, the type of points that you're referencing, even the, that you use when you're fishing from a watercraft, you can't necessarily see uh, those little, little points like you're referring to that a lot of times hold those bass. Well, right, and if I'm in a tournament, I will actually key on the small ones before I do the big ones because they're hit less. Sure. And so, you know, you're going to have less pressure on those, and that's what I key on are the little outcroppings in the bank. And fishing from the bank, you're e- it's easier to see them, a lot yeah. easier. Well, and, and these the, the smaller waters or even the bigger waters, every single uh, body of water has that type of structure. Unless it's a swimming pool. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then you fish the diving board. <laughs> there you go. That's where I'd start. I would start at the points right there. And, you know, quickly, Mike, what do you think, why are points, you know, just in general, why are those such a, as you described, the kitchen for the bass? Well, I think the main reason is because whenever the bait fish are, are either blown over the top of them or swim over the top of them, they're in a situation where they have very little area to move. So they've kind of trapped themselves on top of that point, and that's why the fish know it's easier to get them because it's shallower water. Sure. And that's why I think uh, the fish just chase them up on there, and then, you know, the shad have no place to go. Sure. And and they also, you know, it's just an easy way for should there be a weather change or something change, the fish can just drop right off the edge and have instant access to deeper water. Right. If they're not on that point, they're close. Sure. When I think about 
fishing. It's it's such a unique sport because there's so many different ways to do it and have success. You know, here we're talking about potentially fishing from the shoreline or fishing from a smaller watercraft in which your mobility is is obviously a lot more restricted than being, you know, being able to run 40 miles up the bank. You know, you have anglers that are setting out on the water, throwing in towards the shoreline, and then you have shoreline fishermen that are throwing out and then bringing it up. You know, what about getting hung up? I mean, you know, a lot of times when you're fishing from the shoreline, that can be very, very frustrating because it's not like you can just take your trolling motor and run over there and get it, get it unsnagged. Well, it is because you're, you're bringing your bait uphill constantly from the bank. And when I fish from a boat and watch people fish from the bank, they're constantly hung up and they back up the bank until their line breaks and stuff. And that is frustrating, and we don't want those parents to take the kids down there and then get hung up all the time because they're not going to enjoy it. But some of the tricks to that are, one, um, if you're using a bottom lure like plastic worms with a weight or jigs or something, use lighter ones. Use lighter ones than you would use normally from a, a boat. And another thing is if you're standing on the bank casting straight out, you're bringing that up constantly from the bottom up. If, I, if it was me and I'm, let's say I'm approaching a point, I'm going to approach that point long before I get to it. I'm going to cast at a 45-degree angle out to the point and then bring it. That way I'm not continually bringing it straight uphill. I'm bringing it at an angle so it's going to be less apt to get hung up. And keep your rod tip up, too, um, whenever you're bringing those baits in. And that's going to keep you, it's going to help keep you from getting hung up all the time. Well, and the other thing I, I see, you just described exactly what we employ, you know, from a boat, from the standpoint, you know, you hear us talk a lot about fan casting and, and really covering, trying to determine, you know, of keeping that bait in the strike zone for as long as what you possibly can. And by right. taking that type of approach, once you figure that out of where those fish are potentially holding, then you've really got a pattern going. Right. You're right, and if you're casting straight out, you're covering a very small area. Sure. Because those fish are in a strike zone, as you said, and that strike zone is not from the bank out. It's generally in a depth of water, particular depth. So if you're casting at a 45 or something, you're going to be in that strike zone longer. So that, And that's another key thing. And also, if you're walking down the bank, uh, going toward the point or whatever, I always try to do it to where my shadow is not there before me, because if you're on a clear water reservoir, pond, lake, or whatever it may be, your shadow will spook the fish. So I try to keep the sun at my face, you know, when I'm doing that, so that I don't spook the fish. You know, that's that's great advice, because when you think about it, let's say if it's on, it is on a bluebird sky day, um, you know, normally if a cloud comes over, it's going to cover more than just a, uh, you know, seven or eight foot uh, shadow that's being cast there on the water. Correct, and, and it will spook them on a clear water. Now, you know... The dirtier water lakes, it's not as big a deal. Right. It's not as big a deal. But the, the key is to, to fan cast, it's to keep your rod tip up, it's to use lighter baits, and it's to, it's to approach the point prior to it. Cast at a 45 out onto it, bring it back, and then just work it down the point. And what I mean is start at the deepest point of it that you can cast, and then maybe move in five foot with your cast and just, you know, like, a, like cutting up a pizza. That's right. what you're trying to do with that point. And then once you find out where those fish are and what depth, you can repeat that around the pond or lake you're at. Sure. Or if they're holding off the side of it or off one edge of it, um, it, it's all, it all can be duplicated. What about as far as, you know, are, are the baits the same that you uh, employ for this type of fishing? Oh, yeah. You can use exactly what we use out there. You just lighten up a little bit on it. And it's, it's no different than fishing from a boat at the time of day. You know, generally, if you're fishing 
from a bank is generally going to be most of the people that fish in the bank fish, you know, during the warm part of the year. So you're going to want to fish early in the morning and late at night. That's when the fish generally feed. So, you know, going out at noon and stuff like that, you know, it may be a, more of a challenge. But if you put all these things together, you're going to have a lot more successful day. The timing of it, the bait you use, and where to start, that's the key, is where to start fishing once you get there. Sure. You know, and, and one of the, the advantages, Mike, that I, you and I have talked about before is that by taking a handful of baits and by, you know, getting out of the boat, even if, even if you're an avid angler who has the luxury of, of having a nice boat to be able to, to, to get around in, one of the things that fishing from the shoreline does is it causes you to be and, and fish the moment. More selective. Yes. Yeah, yeah you're right, because you can't carry the amount of stuff we carry in a boat. And if it was me doing that, I, I would select a topwater, a medium diving crankbait or a spinnerbait, and then the bottom baits like the jigs or the worms. You're going to find the fish with one of those three or four baits. Sure. They're going to be on top, in the middle, or on the bottom. You don't have to have a whole variety of different kinds. And I think it really causes the angler to, to really hone in. When you know that, that in the back of your mind that you can just pick up and go somewhere else when you're in a boat, but when you're in a shoreline, it really causes you to fish uh, that area very thoroughly and make sure that you've covered all three areas of the strike zone. Well, I think it makes you a better fisherman fishing from the bank because you're forced into being more precise and pay more attention to things. Yeah, there, there's because you're forced into using less baits too, so you become a more thorough fisherman, as you stated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's no question, and I think it's it's also another great way when we're talking about expanding the sport and getting others introduced. You know, by taking someone out there, you can also gain a lot yourself. You're right, and, and you know, there's so many variables when it goes to fishing a small body of water like that, um, and I know it could be overwhelming on where to start. Well, we've covered that with starting at the point there's other places to fish too but start there and then work the point off the side to the deeper water because it's going to be deeper on the sides find out where those fish are but you can also um if it's real sunny in the middle of the day and stuff and you can't catch them on those points you know go go to the deepest part of the pond or the lake that you can reach from the bank um, because the fish may go to the bottom there but start at the point and transition banks you know it's no different from the bank aaron fishing from the bank that is a boat we key on transitions, you know, the, the little rock turning into big rock, that area there. You can see that from the bank a lot better than you can from a boat. Oh, no question. Or, you know, the, the spillway transitioning into the side of the dam, which maybe has some vegetation or cattails or a laydown. Any type of those subtleties, like you speak of, anything transition, you know, whether it be rock or vegetation or from clay to a harder surface. Right. And I, I think the reason the fish hang out in those places, my opinion, is it's, it's kind of like a, an address for your house. I mean, they have something to relate to when they go out and roam or whatever, they come back to that because it's easy for them to find. No question. That's, that's just my opinion. Sure, no question. Well, and, and you always, whenever we're fishing tournaments, you always find the fish on the channel swings, which is the deeper water, the points or the transitions every single time. Well, and you can see those easier from the bank. And, and, and you are at an advantage. You know, the other thing that I would suggest uh, along those same lines is to have you a good pair of polarized glasses uh, oh, to be yes. able to see that. You're exactly right. And I, I failed to mention that. But, yeah, especially from the bank with the glare. Well, in our last closing minute, Mike, I don't want to leave without mentioning uh, there's an exciting project that's coming out of uh, Bass Edge here. I think, actually, last uh, memo I think I got was uh, sometime in May, but uh, concerning the deep fishing electronics DVD. 
Yes, we've had a lot of requests for this. We're about halfway done with it. And what this DVD is going to have, it's going to have, um, I teach electronics, so I'm going to relay that in a fisherman's standpoint. You'll be able to watch this on the DVD, know how to use your electronics, but most importantly, see what, know what you're seeing on the DVD and how to deep fish. But it's a lot of knowledge about electronics that, that people out there that go out, they don't know what exactly is on the graph, why they see it, and this is going to answer those questions. Um, it's been a very fun project. I've had a lot of emails wanting to know when we're going to get it out, and it looks like we're going to finish it up late spring. Yeah. Well, I can tell you from being involved in that just uh, on, on a minute level, just the ability to be able to see uh, the graph, know how to program that, then actually know what you're looking at, and then going out on the water like we did and actually putting all that into practice, it, it's really a complete package to, to get you started uh, concerning electronics and deep fishing. That's right. And there's a lot of things on there. When you see this DVD, there's a lot of things on there you're going to go, I can't believe I've done it. <laughs> yeah. Why have I not Why have I not learned about this? You know? Absolutely. Well, Mike, unfortunately, we are out of time. Any closing thoughts or remarks before we get out of here? Wear a life jacket if you're by yourself and bring extra clothes, yeah. especially in cold water. Sure. And certainly, they can. Uh, if they want to get a message into you, just go to uh, askthepros at bassedge.com, and, and you'll get back with them on any questions that they might have. One of us will get back with them, you bet. And uh, also, I think that enters them into a drawing for some really cool prizes. It does. They answer that, right? Yep, absolutely. They get to talk to you and a uh, chance to win something. So Please have your questions uh, sent into bassedge.com, and on the homepage, you'll see Ask the Pros. Um, just get with us. We'll answer all the emails. Well, once again, Mike, uh, we sincerely appreciate your time and cannot wait for the DVD to come out. I can't wait either. Aaron, thanks for having me again, buddy. You bet. Aaron, i got to tell you, Mike was right on about a lot of stuff. A lot of my fishing is from the banks, and I've caught a lot of fish over the years, and especially you know, when you're walking along and side fishing when they're spawning. And You know what? To me, small water can mean just big fish. Oh, no question. And, you know, I think Mike did a great job of, uh, because a lot of times that we don't have, you know, when you look at these larger reservoirs or, or streams, uh, you know, there's some topography maps and things like that out there. But when you're dealing with maybe private waters, city lakes, you know, rivers, things like that, you're not at the luxury of having those topography maps. Or, you know, when you're fishing from shoreline, a lot of times you, you don't have your electronics to rely on. So you're dealing really with instinct. And I thought his approach to starting, uh, look, trying to identify points, even within your small private waters or your city lakes, those type of things, you can see those protrusions or those smaller points from the bank a lot of times better than what you can if you're setting out on a boat looking in because you're not able to look down from side to side and notice how that little subtlety of that point, you know, comes out of the bank. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Another thing, too. If you're taking somebody that's just getting into fishing, small water is the best place to start them out at. They're going to catch more fish. No question. The best thing, Dan, and I can remember, I have a lot of fond memories just like yourself of me and my dad and, you know, walking those banks or floating a small stream. But you take a handful of baits. And what that does, because you don't have the luxury of, of starting up the big motor and running 40 miles away from that area, that really forces you to be in the moment and understand what it is and trying to figure out how to get those fish to bite in that spot. And I think there's, even for the experienced anglers, there's a lot of lessons to be learned by just kind of getting back to the roots and and what got us here uh, to be able to do that. And like you said, it's a great way to introduce uh, new and beginning anglers into the sport. Absolutely. Well, Mike is a tremendous fisherman, and he did an awesome job on that interview. So way to go, Mike. 
Hey, listen, we, uh, we're going to run and take another break. When we come back, we're going to go to this week's Inside Edge. Dr. Jay McNamara is going to show us what we can do about different techniques mentally, and some of us are more challenged in that area than others. But Dr. <laughs> Jay is going to handle it pretty well for you. We'll be right back after Dr. Jay, right here on The Edge. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the toe and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 toe and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The toe and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, welcome back to The Edge, and joining us today is soon-to-be best-selling author and renowned speaker, and that is Dr. Jay McNamara. Jay, thanks so much uh, for being part of The Edge. It's always fun, Aaron. Yeah. Well, Jay, one of my favorite topics, uh, cut my teeth doing this, and that is uh, fishing small waters from the shoreline, maybe from a small watercraft. Uh, but before we get into that, you've kind of been busy lately, haven't you? Well, I've been uh, fortunate, Aaron, to have several uh, opportunities to be on podcasts like this, uh, a couple of fishing blogs. Uh, I, got, I actually got a salesman in Cleveland, Ohio, that called me and asked me if I would talk to him about the application of uh, these performance psychology principles to uh, his sales career. And, of course, as you know, in my other psychology, I do pre-employment evaluations for companies, so that was a pretty fun thing. But I've had... Uh, pharmacists in Mississippi, taxidermists in Montana, a dentist in uh, New Jersey, who, you know, guys have called up and said, hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And the, and the principles, of course, are universal. So we uh, get a chance to do a little bit of, of uh, explaining about those kinds of things at the uh, Texas Outdoor Writers Association down at Texas A&M College Station last month, too. So, Can you believe how people have embraced your book, uh, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, and you know the recent write-up and copies like Bass Times? I mean, is that just kind of hard to believe? It is, because I have never saw myself as you know someone with any particularly unique or new information, but I think the application of some of these performance psychology principles uh, to something that's fun, the world of fishing, I think it makes it easier for people to understand them and also to apply them in other areas of their life. So uh, that has been fun. Well, no question. And, you know, we talk a lot about, Jay, about embracing just the conditions, embracing the moment, fishing the moment. And, you know, tying that into today's topic, uh, like I said many, many times, this is very near and dear to my heart because of the fond memories that I had uh, walking the shorelines and and that with, with my dad. How do those principles relate to fishing from the shoreline or private bodies of water or small streams? Well, I'll tell you a couple of cute stories. You know, the fundamental principles are the same, whether you're fishing an 80,000-acre lake or a six-acre farm pond. And that is, uh, no matter what, you can't fish the whole thing. If you're restricted by uh, geography to only fish one side of a small farm pond, um, that's not essentially different from professional angler who's restricted by time from fishing all 80,000 acres on a big reservoir. So what you have a chance to do when you fish from shore really is to get to know the area that you can fish much more intimately than the person who's in a run and gun, fast cast, jump from one spot to another mode. Well, and you know, like Mike had just shared right before this, uh, we talked about, you know, when you're in that situation and it's a lot of fun just to take a handful of baits. Uh, with you, even as an experienced angler, because it really forces you to read the topography. Well, it does. Um, there's a young guy that I fished with here in Minnesota, A.J. Kurtz. 
Um, he's one of those guys who just has the touch. He has uh, access via a path through his neighbor's yard uh, to a small lake, and he's been able to dissect the section of the lake that he can fish better than most guys who tournament fish that lake. He knows more about that bay in terms of the vegetation, where the springs are, where the rock beds are, where the lanes in the vegetation are, than the vast majority of guys who fish that lake all day. Uh, it doesn't look like, on the map, a great spot. But since this is the spot that A.J. has to fish, he's just taken it apart, and he catches fish in that spot, which most people would say is a bad spot, in situations where guys who have access to the good spots in the lake are not catching him. So it really does have to do about learning the subtleties of the area that you are fishing, um, whether you're uh, an amateur uh, fishing from the bank or a pro fishing from a zillion-dollar boat. Well, and, and, you know, part of that learning process, do you think that too many times that we get boxed in with, you know, just given the, the availability of information, uh, topo maps, electronics, you know, that type of stuff, do we rely too heavily on that and get away from our natural innate abilities that got us there to begin with? Well, absolutely. I think that the whole point of any professional fisherman you talk to has to do with paying attention to the current condition. And I had a very humbling experience with that just last spring. Uh, we were at a resort on the north side of the lake, strong south wind blowing in. There was about a 30-foot dock there, and uh, I marched out on the end of the dock with my expensive rod and reel and my expensive spinner bait, and uh, heaved it about a half a block across the lake, expecting to catch some fish that were out in the lake. And there's a little kid sitting behind me on the dock with a bobber about 10 feet from shore, and uh, all of a sudden I hear him squeal, and I turn around, he's got about a two-and-a-half-pound largemouth bass on the line. <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, good for you, kid, you know, lucky deal. Um, I go back to throwing my spinnerbait halfway across the lake, and uh, all of a sudden I hear him yell again. He turns around, he's got a twin of the first. Well, as it turns out, um, he only had access to the shallow water in the lake, but he was paying very close attention to what he was doing. There were all kinds of fish in there. He was catching them one after the other. Uh, certainly embarrassed me with all my fancy equipment and what my thought was my knowledge of the lake. And that would have been something that you would have probably have just brushed on over and not realized had it not been for that firsthand experience. Absolutely. The kid t and I said, how did you know that they were in here? He goes, well, I started off fishing on the end of the dock. I wasn't catching anything, so I turned around and went closer to shore. And my, my initial instinct was if well, they're not here, uh, fish further out. And, <laughs> and he was smart enough to realize, well, if the, fish are, if the winds are really coming in here hard, maybe it's pushing fish into shore. And, you know, his uh, eight-year-old mentality was able to figure that out. So good for him. Well, and it just goes to show you, you know, we can always learn something. And in our last 30 seconds here, Jay, any tips or information to pass on specifically to uh, maybe shoreline fishermen or from small craft? Well, like I said, I think the most important thing is to learn as much as you can about a small piece of information. Because if you get good at that, if you get really good at learning everything there is about the particular area that you're forced to fish, then when you have access to, to uh, larger areas of lakes, and when you do have access to fishing in a, in a boat, either as a co-angler or a boat owner yourself, uh, you'll, ha you'll carry that mentality with you. Find out as much as you can about this. You and I have both seen tournament anglers, when you ask them, where did you catch them? They said, well, I caught them on points. And that's as far as they go. They can't tell you what kind of points or exactly where on the point or exactly what kind of point. They say we were catching them on points. And Great anglers, that's not good enough. You need to be able to be even more specific in your understanding of where you're catching them, and you have that access when you do 
uh, fish from shore, and you only have a small area to fish. Well, great information, Jay. And uh, in closing, you know, a lot of these points that we continue to talk about here on the edge as well as on In the Zone uh, through the Bass Edge television show are covered in your book, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing. And uh, where can that be purchased at? Well, you can, uh, there are two things, Aaron. You can certainly purchase the uh, Psychology of Exceptional Fishing from the BassEdge.com website and click on Shop Bass Edge, and there you'll find the book. Uh, we've also included uh, an opportunity for people to contact me directly for uh, a no-expense initial consultation. If people have a question that they want to ask, you can reach me through uh, BassEdge.com and um, be happy to set that up and uh, talk to people, you know, in the same way that we did with you initially. Um, we're extending that to uh, other anglers now if they have questions, and that's been a real fun thing to do lately. Well, and I certainly recommend that. Obviously, had I not done that, then uh, would not have had the privilege of being introduced to you and all the great principles that have came out of uh, uh, kind of your thought process. So, Jay, once again, we are out of time, but uh, thank you so much for taking time with us today here on The Edge, and we look forward to next time. Okay, Aaron, thank you. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge. All right, welcome back to The Edge. Thanks to Dr. J, another great Inside Edge segment. I tell you, that Dr. J, man, he's got it mentally wrapped. Man, he does. And, you know, he's that guy's like going to soon be on the bestseller list, I think. You know, he's had an interview with Bass Times, and, you know, he was the keynote speaker down at the Texas Outdoor Riders Conference. So, Hey, was yeah. he down there at that race with you guys? Uh, actually, he was not. He was uh, not. I was just wondering how him and Bill got along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, mentally assessed him. Well, you know, he's a, you know, Bill Riley's a big author. Jay's a big author. Yeah, you know. Exactly. Jay's, Jay's a man. Up. Hey, speaking of authors, we got a great question from an author down in Del Rio, Texas. His name is Mike. And Mike wants to know, what kind of main line do you recommend for Carolina rigging in clear water with lots of rocks and brush? Would you go with a braid or fluorocarbon or mono? What about the leader line? And I think you got a good response, don't we, you? We did. We threw this out to uh, Pete Pons, and uh, I think Pete came back with a great response that, uh, Mike, hey, Mike, that's a great question, and the answer will depend on personal preference. Pete's preference, because of the rock, would be 14 to 17-pound test vicious co-polymer with a 12 to 14-pound fluorocarbon as a leader. The reason is the ability to be able to cast that. And uh, he, Pete states, please understand the weakest link theory. Even if you use braid as the main line, your leader is still 12-pound test. He would be concerned about using 12-pound on a lake like Amistad, but you should be fine if you set your drag and pay attention to your line. Remember, if the fish gets in the brush, often you can get them out without manhandling them. Give them a little, then pull back. A lot of times this will work. Good fishing, Pete Pond. You know, I thought Pete brought up a good point in that, too, on that weakest link theory from the standpoint that whenever you have a leader, your line is still only going to be as strong as what the leader is. So. Yeah. Let me ask one more question in that mm -hmm. question. What do you use to tie your leader from your line? Uh, there's a couple different ways. In this application, it would probably be a swivel. Okay. Uh, because you're going to, on a Carolina rig, you'll have the weight uh, actually above the swivel. Then you right. tie on your swivel. 
then on the opposite end of the swivel is your leader. And, you know, that is, uh, that's kind of the, the premise of a Carolina rig is to where the weight is actually ahead of, way ahead of the bait. And then you can adjust your length of your leader. Maybe it's 18 inches, maybe it's four feet, depending on if you're fishing in vegetation or what the individual circumstance is. But, um, yeah, that, that's, that's normally what you're using. You could also use, you know, they have what's called a Carolina keeper to uh-huh. where you wouldn't actually be using a leader line. All that is, it's just like a plastic, um, kind of hard to explain, but it's, it's a plastic bead that crimps down on your line. And you take a pair of pliers and you squeeze that. It has a slot in it. And when you squeeze it, because of it being round, it opens up that slot and it allows you to slide that up and control the distance that you keep your weight from your bait. So you can adjust that pretty easy. Um, again, it's just a quick way uh, to kind of put together a Carolina rig without having to have all the other components of a leader line, a swivel, and those type of things. Well, there you go. Thank you for expanding on that. No problem. Hey, folks, don't forget, when you send in these Ask the Pro questions, please don't forget to put your, your mailing address on there. Um, we have skipped several would-be winners because your their address were not on there. And we got to have your shipping address in order for us to send your goodies. And, you know, we all, we're all we all about sending goodies. Correct. Right? It is not a, uh, it's not a spam situation. We do not release people's uh, personal information, but... You know, when we ship out those prizes, we do have to have that, that shipping information. And don't forget your phone number, too. And like yes. Aaron said, it's all confidential. And, uh, hey, who knows? Aaron might call and wish you Merry Christmas. That's, That's right. about it. That's you, right. Ne- you never know. Aaron's always up to something. <laughs> hey, and speaking of Aaron, uh, we've gotten uh, congratulations. I hear you've been getting really good reviews on uh, The Edge. Yeah, we have, you know. And, and please keep those coming. We want to hear back from from you, the listener, and, and make sure that we're hitting uh, hitting the points. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had the interview with Mike a little bit earlier in the podcast. He told me, he said, you know, he said, I had an individual stop me. Uh, he, he's a truck driver, travels, uh, he listens to us all the time. I had another individual email and send in uh, that he works for a defense contractor in South Korea, Dan. Wow. And his commute is 40 minutes each day, and he was wondering if we could actually – uh, go up to 10 podcasts a week. That way you could listen to one in the morning and one in the evening. But uh, anyway, we appreciate him, too. Yeah, hey, and thanks for everybody's service out there, too. Absolutely. Hey, if you want to send us an email or a question or just to say hi, I've got a couple things you can do. You can go to prostaff at bestedge.com. That's prostaff at bestedge.com, and that will be answered on the web. And sometimes, like we just did with uh, Mike from uh, Del Rio, Texas, we will answer them here from time to time. Also, the newsletter. Uh, don't forget about the wonderful newsletter. You can go to BassEdge.com directly for that. And don't forget, iTunes subscribers, we want to hear from you. Like Darren said, please continue to do ratings on there. And, you know, we want to improve every week if we can. If we're not meeting your needs, please tell us and we'll try and do so. The only thing is, don't tell Aaron to put his picture on there. i got to look at it now. <laughs> Anyway, hey, what's coming up next week? <laughs> next week, we go to Lake Amstead with uh, Pete Ponds, and um, so we're back in the saddle and uh, rotating from there, so all good stuff. All good stuff, and I understand we have a new addition to the Bass Edge family. We do. Uh, actually, Suda Kamath, uh, who, funny story, uh, she originally started out with some NBC affiliates in the media relations. We brought her on as the media director for Bass Edge. Uh, we met her, uh, she was the media director for Prince William County up in Virginia when we filmed on the Potomac, and she did such a fantastic job when we were there, so she will now be uh, working with us exclusively across the nation uh, to further the Bass Edge mission. All right, well, there you go. 
Well, listen, folks, we'll be back here next week. I am heading to Kansas to do another turkey hunt, and I know Aaron's going to be doing so. What are you doing this week? We are actually uh, heading to film ourselves. We'll be heading to Texas as well, to the eastern portion of Texas, and uh, we'll be meeting up with Scott Suggs. All right. So, well, oh, and congratulations, what? by the way, on your Grand Slam turkey finishing that out. Oh, okay. you I thought you were some saying. time with, uh, with Shaw Grigsby. I, I did, and uh, Shaw was great. What a great guy. What a prolific fisherman. And uh, We talked fishing the whole time while we were in the turkey blind, but, yeah, I was really blessed. I got my grand slam with my bow done. Not too bad from a redneck from Washington, Missouri. Yeah, very, very good, and, and any time you can harvest anything with a bow, congratulations. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I thought you were saying congratulations on my grand slam I had at Denny's, but then it's all not here. I was real proud of that sausage yeah, there. Those pancakes. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> you ate the whole thing. Excellent. Hey, folks, we got to get out of here. We'll see you next time right here on The Edge. Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible. Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, B&W Trailer Hitches, Megaware Keel Guard, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Ardent Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstar Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.